Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha, where we're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We hope this message impacts your life, and be sure to like and subscribe for more. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Good to be together this morning. Amen? Amen. I want to reiterate what Pastor John had to say. Uh, for those of you guys that are Christmas Eve people, do yourself a favor. I've been there. I've done it. I regret it still. <laughs> Amen? And so, uh, so do your shopping early and make sure that you get that special present for that special person. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to look at the Word this morning, but before we do, I have the special privilege of encouraging you uh, to bless your pastors. Every year, for those of you that have been here uh, several years, for those of you that have been here with us from the beginning... Uh, we don't have many traditions in this house. Uh, we, we, we're, you know, we're, we're not a quote-unquote traditional church. And uh, so we don't have many traditions. But one tradition that we do have is every year we receive a special offering for the staff. And uh, that's during Pastor's Appreciation Month, which is November. And so this, this last November we did, uh, or is it October? It's October. And uh, so this last October we received a Pastor's Appreciation uh, offering uh, in which we, uh, as we received that offering, we divide it between all of our staff pastors uh, because we want to let them know that they are loved and appreciated. And so uh, we've done that for years. Uh, as, a, as, as a lead pastor, years and years ago, I began that with, with my staff uh, in another church. And then when we started this church, we, we, uh, we continued it. And so for the last uh, several years, that's what we do. And then in, uh, in December, we receive a special Christmas offering for our lead pastor. And, um, and here's what the scripture says. Uh, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, as I was, as I was reading just in my daily, my daily reading, I came across this and thought, you know, this is a great... A great verse that would, that would help us put into context and into perspective why we do this. First uh, Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 and 18 says this. It says, let the elders that rule well. How many of you believe that Pastor John and Pastor Angel rule well? <laughs> Amen. Amen. I mean, for those of you that may not know, Pastor John is, Jamie and I, uh, he's our son and we consider Angel as, as our daughter, uh, and so I may be a little I may be a little biased in my opinion, but I I just happen to think he's the best preacher and teacher in America today. That's just that that's that's my heart and uh, what I believe. And, and and here's what the scripture says: Let the elders that rule well, and they rule well. Um, for those of you that are not privy to behind the scenes. I tell people all the time, he is a much better leader than I ever was as a pastor. And, uh, and so, so here's what the scripture says. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. The message says, give a bonus to leaders who do a good job, especially the ones who work hard at preaching and teaching. And I want to let you know, this man works hard at preaching and teaching. And, uh, and, and so I just, I want to encourage you this year, um, as, you, as you buy gifts, as you give gifts, uh, reserve a gift for your pastors and let them know that you love them. Encourage them through a gift. You say, how do we do that? Well, you do it just like you would normally give in the back or on the, uh, on the app or on the website. Or if you just want to come and hand them a, um, you know, a, 
$100 bill or uh, you want to sign over your hunting land to them or whatever it is that you want to do. <laughs> Uh, give them your first child. Who? I, 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 what, I'm just kidding. I'm just. But uh, just bless them, Amen. Because we love them and we appreciate them, Amen. Come on, give them a hand. Let them know that you love them, that you appreciate them, Amen. So, hallelujah. Let's get into the word this morning. Pastor John last week showed a video. Said I used to have a permed mullet. No, 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 not true, man. It was not a permed mullet. It was a Randy Travis haircut. Okay, how many remember Randy Travis? Yeah, Randy Travis had curly hair. He kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, did some stuff on the side and wore it in the back. And I did it, man. And uh, I tried to find a picture for you so that you could see it, but uh, I couldn't find one. But my wife did find a Christmas picture when I was about 17 years old. I think we have that. Somebody say, "Oh, Jesus." Somebody say, thank God he got saved. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Amen. And uh, yeah, so that was me. That was me uh, on the Christmas. I think it was my 17th birthday. I got a guitar. And uh, the hair will tell you, man, I, I was on the way. And, uh, I, and, and I was playing with, a, with some guys, and we were going to be the Indian Led Zeppelin. The Indian Aerosmith, man, I tell you what. And uh, so anyway, thank God those days are over and Jesus came into my life. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to get into the word. And so if you have your Bibles, we'd like to turn there. I want to speak to you upon the subject, trusting God in turbulent times. Somebody say trusting God in turbulent times. How many of you know there are going to be turbulent times in your life? Amen. We're going to talk about that uh, today, uh, but before we do, let's take a look at the scripture, Luke chapter 1. Um, we, we're, we're in a series called Retell, and last week, Pastor John uh, said that we're going to be retelling the Christmas story and looking at it through the eyes, perhaps, of, of, of some of the Christmas, uh, I don't want to call them characters, but, uh, but the personalities, the people who were part of it, right? And obviously, Mary was a huge part of it, Joseph, huge part of it, Pastor John, Pastor John preached uh, in, in my, preach a stellar word uh, concerning, concerning Joseph. How many of you understand? Joseph, Joseph, I mean, I'm sure that there, are other, that there are other people in the Bible who are like Joseph, but I didn't realize, I mean, I probably knew it, but I really didn't know it, that Joseph never said a word. There's not a word that Joseph said recorded in the Bible. And that brother had a lot to say. Hello? And, and, and Pastor John shared his story, and, 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 and actually, last week, Joseph spoke volumes, although he never said anything. Amen? His life spoke volumes. And it's not necessarily what you say, but it's who you are that speaks to people's lives. And so, uh, so last week, we learned that Joseph was what? He was, a, he was a man of patience. He was a man of obedience. And he was a man of, help me out, first one. First point, everybody. Okay, we're going we're gonna to stop. We're going to pray, and I don't even need to preach to you because you're not going to remember next week anyway. No, he's what? 
Selfless, selfless, very good. You guys get the, oh, and next week you come, ugly sweater, $1,000 to you. Hallelujah. So I'm just, I'm just kidding. So let's take a look at it this morning. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Then we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 69 and 70. And then take, uh, take another scripture in Luke chapter 2. We're just going to read through it. And we're going to look at three people today. We're going to look at Mary. Somebody say Mary. And here's what Mary's going to say to you today. Mary's going to say to you that God's got a plan. And then we're going to take a look at a guy named Zachariah. And here's what Zachariah is going to say to you. God has a promise. He has a promise for every one of you. And in the midst of your turbulent times, God has a promise for you. And then the last one we're going to look at are the shepherds. And the shepherds are going to say that God has a peace. So God has a what? He has a plan. He has a promise. And he has a he has a peace. Let's read it together, shall we? Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. The Bible says, And angel, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, which we heard about last week, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Somebody say confused and disturbed. Confused and disturbed. That, that, those two words literally are the same words that are used of the disciples when they were in the boat and about ready to sink and saw Jesus walking on the water. The scripture says that they were very afraid. And so she was confused and disturbed. Uh, Dobie Weasel version would say she was totally freaked out at this. And the Bible says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. That's the plan. Zechariah would later on in that chapter utter these words. He has sent us a mighty Savior. From the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised. Somebody say the plan, the promise, and then now let's take a look at the peace. While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. Because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. For the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. Praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Say that with me. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I want to give you one single thought. I want, to, I want you to walk out with just one thought today. And the thought that I want you to walk out with today is God is in control. 
No matter what you're going through, no matter the circumstance or the situation, no matter what kind of turbulence you find yourself in, God is in control and he's going to work it out according to his plan if you'll trust him and if you'll obey. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said amen, amen. and amen. How many of you have ever been in turbulent times on an airplane? Any of you ever been in an airplane and the, and the pilot comes on and he says, ladies and gentlemen, please fasten your seatbelts, put your seat backs and your tray tables in an upright and locked position, for we are about to hit turbulence. Any of you ever been there? Last week I was there. Last week, now I've, I've traveled, I've traveled several hundred thousands of miles on a plane. Few times have I ever been in a plane where I thought, mm, we may not make it out of this one. But such was the time last week. I haven't even shared this with my wife. But such was the time last week. I, I was preaching in Flagstaff, got done preaching, went to the airport that afternoon, blue sky, beautiful day in, in, in Flagstaff, and uh, got on the plane, headed home to, to Omaha, but we were to go through Denver. Now, if you've flown at all, you understand that there are two places in the United States that are well-known for weather-related incidents. One is Denver, the other one is Chicago. If you're flying through Denver, you're flying through Chicago, just prepare and so uh, we're flying through Denver, and, and hey, it was a great day. It was a smooth flight. Here's how I like the flight to go, okay? This is normally what my flight looks like. I get on. I find my seat. The engine comes on. Hopefully, the person sitting next to me is already in their seat. If not, I wait for them to be seated. But then when the engine comes on, something happens. I, all of a sudden, go out. I have no problem sleeping on an airplane at all. And a perfect flight would for, be for me to get on, go to sleep, and then the next thing that I hear or feel is the, is the agent tapping me and saying, sir, can you make sure your seat belt, uh, your, your seat's in the upright and locked position because we are on our final descent. Hallelujah. That's a great flight. And so we got on. I did what I normally do. I, uh, I sat down, and, and we lifted off, and as soon as we lifted off, I hit the button, and I kicked back. Now, if you're at that, at that level, and you're still climbing, and you kick back, it's like you're laying in a recliner. <laughs> Try it next time. It's great. It really is. And so I'm reclined, and I got my eyes closed, and I'm drifting off, and, uh, and, and we're about an hour into the flight, and all of a sudden, the, <laughs> the pilot comes on. He says, ladies and gentlemen, we are about ready to begin our final descent. And air traffic control at Dallas International Airport has, has informed us that there is a major windstorm that is, is going over Denver right now. Winds of 50 and 60 miles an hour, and we will probably hit some turbulence. So please, get ready, put your seat Put your seats in locked and upright position, uh, fasten your seat belts, and we were probably 30 seconds later, all of a sudden, and if you've been there, we were on that roller coaster ride, right? I mean, it might have been a little more than 30 seconds, it might have been a couple of minutes, but, but it, it seemed like almost immediately, whoom, we went down. And if you've ever been 
in that situation where the plane drops like 30, 40 feet, and it's like you're just dropping, like you're on a roller coaster, and then boom, you hit, right? And then you're going, and all of a sudden, it's like this. And, 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 and as, we're, as, we're going, as we're going up and as we're going down, I look out, and it's like the plane wings are about ready to detach. And again, like I said, I, I, I've been in turbulence before, but not in white knuckle turbulence, not in speaking in tongues turbulence, <laughs> but I find myself speaking in tongues under my breath and repenting of anything that I might need to repent of, although I just preached a little while ago, so I should be good with God, but I just want to make sure, hello. And I'm not kidding. I mean, here I am. We're going. I look at the person next to me, and she's looking at me like, please, help. <laughs> Women are crying. Babies are crying. Men are repenting. I mean, and, and, and so, so, so I look out the window. As I look out the window, I can't even see the ground. There is so much dirt, so much sand that's in this windstorm that it's grown dark. It's grown black outside. And here we are going through and I'm looking out and the woman next to me is repenting under her breath and I'm saying, yes, Jesus, bless her. And I'm repenting and speak. No, it's not that bad. But here we are. And then finally, we get through it and we land and everybody is safe. And I get out and I kiss the ground. Jesus, Jesus, thank you. You see, you look at that story and you think to yourself, well, that's an interesting story, but you know, what does that have to do with, with today? Well, if you're like me, you hate those turbulent white knuckle encounters. But sometimes in our lives, there is turbulence. Sometimes in our lives, the winds begin to blow Debris fills the air, visibility becomes limited, and our lives begin to become jostled up and down, back and forth, and it's like we're in this cosmic blender, and it's like, God, I don't know what's up from down, and Lord, what's back and forth, and, and God, I just, I just don't understand what you're doing, and we look at this and we think to ourselves, if you just let me get out of here, Lord, I promise I'll serve you with all my heart. And I look at this scripture, and I look at the times that Jesus was in, and I think to myself, you know what? Those were kind of like the times Jesus was in. Because the time that Jesus was born into was not a time of peace. It was not a time of beauty and wonder upon the earth. It was a turbulent time, especially for Israel, because Israel, Israel hadn't heard from God for 400 years. Now, in this day of the Holy Spirit being in you and upon you and with you, in this day of you having the Word of God 24-7, 365 at your fingertips as you just, as you open your phone. You can hear the word of God. You can hear the spirit of God. You can hear God speaking through other people. But imagine God not speaking to you for 400 years. You talk about the silent treatment. Hello? 
For 400 years, Jeremiah had spoken to Israel, and Jeremiah said, 23 years I have prophesied to you. 23 years God has given you the word. 23 years I have shared with you what's going to happen if you don't repent. And because you haven't repented, now judgment will come. And so judgment came, and judgment came through Babylon. Babylon came and sacked Jerusalem, and there they occupied Jerusalem, and they took the best people away, and they put them in Babylon. After Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon had occupied Jerusalem, then came the Persians who occupied Jerusalem. And after the Persians, then came Alexander the Great. After Alexander the Great died, then there were the Ptolemies and the Seleucids and the people who, 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 who took over his empire once he died. And then now we have the Romans. And for 400 years, we haven't heard from God. For 400 years, we have been occupied by a foreign nation. For 400 years, we've, 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 we've Remember the promises, but now we've forgotten the promises. They're so far back, and we can't even remember who the prophets were. And I don't even know anybody who knew a prophet, who might have knew, known a prophet, or been related to a prophet. God's word is devoid, and we can't hear God, and we are living in darkness. And in the, in the midst of, of this vacuum of truth, because God's not speaking, people begin to rise up. Who say they have the answer because obviously the Greeks thought they had the answers. Aristotle thought he had an answer. Plato thought he had the answer. And all of the Greek philosophers came with their philosophies and began to impose them upon the world or share them upon the, with the world, however you would look at it. But here we are. We, 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 we now have, have this form of truth. And people are beginning to look at these at truth, and, and, and because, because there's no word from God, they're beginning to develop their own truth. And as they develop their own truth, they think that my truth is better than your truth. And my truth is the only truth. And so now we have the Sadducees, and we have the Pharisees, and we have the Zealots, and we have everybody who's developed their own form of truth, and they are protecting their form of truth at the risk of alienating everybody else and not listening to any other kind of truth. Hmm. It kind of sounds like today, in which everybody has their own truth, and nobody wants to listen to anybody else, because if I listen to you, then my truth can't be the truth, and I know your truth isn't the truth, and so, and so, <sighs> turbulent times, foreign occupation, and, 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 and Rome was probably the worst, because Rome, they were mean, and the Romans, living in a foreign country eating eating food they weren't used to being around people with strange traditions and religions and these soldiers were mean so here we are living in turbulent times and god it seems like the like the the wings are going to fall off and and Lord, it's, it's up and down, and there's darkness, and there's debris everywhere, and God, I can't even see. And, and Lord, I can't see, mainly because I haven't heard from you in 400 years. Thank God you hear from him. Thank God there is a light today. Thank God you can open your Bible, and you can see the truth, and the truth will set you free. Come on, somebody. But here we are, 
Here we are in the midst of darkness. Here we are in the midst of debris. Here we are in the midst of, in, 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 the, in the midst of being jostled up and down and back and forth and the wings are, are, are falling off and we are in turbulent times. And in the midst of all of this, suddenly God shows up. God shows up. Angels come. Virgins get pregnant. Miracles begin to happen. And perhaps today you find yourself in a situation and you're needing a miracle. You're needing God to come and birth something in your life. You're needing God to do something in your situation. You're needing to hear from, uh, from a voice somewhere, even if it's an angel of the Lord, God, send me the word of the Lord because I need your word if I'm going to go forward. And so that's where we find ourselves. We look at this story like it's a like it's you know just this christmas story and 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 you know it's a it, it's it's a great story it's a it's a it's an entertaining story it's a it's a heartfelt warming a heartwarming story and and thank god for the christmas story it's more than just a christmas story it's about people like you and me in times like these that are needing an answer and needing god to step into their situation and thank god he comes and he steps into our situation when we need him to step into our situation. And so we get the testimony of Mary. We get the testimony of, a, of Zacharias. We get the testimony of the shepherds. And if we were to interview Mary, we would say, Mary, what is God teaching us in the midst of these turbulent times? She would look at us and she would say, God has a plan. God has a plan. And I don't know about you, sometimes I look at that and I think, well, God's got a plan, but his, he, 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 needs to, he needs to sharpen up his planning skills. Hello? I mean, God, if God is a strategic plan, a planner, I, I really don't know where we're going. I don't see the big picture here. Because here she was, a virgin, as Pastor John said last week, 14 or 15 years old. Joseph couldn't have been more than 18 or 19 at the most. And God comes into, into, into their lives and God begins to speak to them and God says, you're going you're gonna to have a child. How's this going to happen? I've not known a man. The glory of the Lord shall overshadow you and that which is born of you shall be a holy child. You should call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. That's a plan. Hallelujah. So because, because God's plan, can, can, can I say, let, let, me, let me give you a couple of things. God's plan is often bigger than your plan. In fact, let me say it is, per, period, bigger than your plan. God's plan for you is bigger than your plan for yourself. You think you're going to do this, and God said, no, you're going to do this. See, I got saved, and my plan was I'm going to go to Bible college for a semester. I'm going to get away from my dope-smoking buddies, my drinking buddies. I'm going to, I'm going to stop smoking weed. I'm going, to, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to go for one semester, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to serve Jesus, and I'm going to work on the railroad because that's what I was doing. That was my plan. And God says, that's a good plan, but it's not my plan. I've got a bigger plan for you, son. I'm going to send you to Bible college, but you're going to, you're going to finish Bible college. How am I going to do that, God? I don't even have a GED. I'm going to work it out. 
Because you can go to this Bible college right now because it's a, it's a Bible institute and you can go without a GED. But while you're there, they're going to become a full-fledged college. I'm going to help you get your GED and then you're going to go back and you're going to get your, your, your Bachelor of Arts degree. And later on, you're going to get your Master's degree. And I'm going I'm to send you, I'm, I'm gonna send you to, 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 to New Mexico and, and, and you're going to have children. And you're, you're, in, in fact, I'm going to send you to North Dakota. God, no, please, not North Dakota. <laughs> God, I want to go to Arizona because, because, God, there's a Bible college in Arizona, and I've seen the brochure, and there are Indian girls and palm trees on the front. And God says, no, you're going to North Dakota. God, please, no. But I went to North Dakota. I went to North Dakota because, because God had a plan. God had a plan. It wasn't my plan. My plan was small. But God's plan was big. And so I went to North Dakota. And as I went to North Dakota, see, see understand, and, and I don't even know if I should get into all this. Is it, is it okay if I, just, if I just share with you a little bit? I mean, I, mean, I, 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 I had no idea. And God, and God said, no, I got a plan for your life. Go to, go to North Dakota. And, and I, had been, I had been interested in this girl back on my reservation, man. I mean, she was H-O-T. I would say something about with a body, but I won't. So, 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 but she got saved and her parents got saved. And I went to, I went to her house to, to, to visit her and, 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 and they in, invited me in the house. And I walked in just as they were sitting down for a study in Matthew chapter 24, talking about the signs of the times and Jesus Christ was coming back. And I didn't even know what the heck I walked into. Hello. And I sat there for two hours, and I smoked my cigarettes on that couch, and they talked about how that Jesus was coming back. Hey, if somebody walked into your house with a pack of Marlboro and lit one up in the midst of your Bible study, you'd probably throw them out. Hello. <laughs> At least I know I would. But they didn't. They didn't, man. I mean, I mean they, 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 they let me smoke my cigarettes, and they talked to me about Jesus, and God was... How many of you understand? God hunts you down, man. You don't even know you're being hunted down, and God hunts you down. And and, 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 and and it seemed like I'd run this way, and I'd run into somebody talking about Jesus, and I'd run this way, and I'd run into somebody talking about Jesus, and, uh, and, and, and I'd sit down thinking I escaped Jesus because I didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. Hello? Come on, somebody. I didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus, and I'd just get away from Jesus, and I'd sit down. I'd be sitting right on Jesus. Hello? <laughs> See, if you're running from God, understand you can't run from God. You might as well give up. You might as well give your life to Jesus right now. You might as well call upon the name of the Lord, especially if somebody is praying for you. You might as well just give it up, put up the white flag, and say, yes, God, here I am. And so I was interested in this girl, and I went. And, uh, and, and, and so, well, long story short, she left, and, and we, 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 hello? We lost connection. She went to Oklahoma and kind of forgot about it. And I got saved and went to Aberdeen. I went to North Dakota. And the morning after, the Sunday morning after I went to Bible college, I got up, went to church in Aberdeen, South Dakota. I went to church in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Went in and sat down just like you did this morning. Pastor got up and said, okay, let's pray. Before we worship God, turn around, greet two, three people like you did today. I turned around, and guess who was sitting right behind me? The girl, hallelujah. 
and her whole family. Amen. I've been married to that girl this year, be 40 years. Hallelujah. Amen. God had a bigger plan for me. He had a better plan for me. Hello? Come on, somebody. I mean, I mean, every now and then my wife would get on, she'll get on Facebook. She'll say, hey, remember that girl you used to date? Take a look at her now. She looks like the Wicked Witch of the West. Hello? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I got the girl. Amen. And she's looking good still. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody. And so, and so God, God's plan is bigger than your plan for yourself. God's plan is better than your plan for yourself. But God's plan often is harder than your plan. See, God's got a, got a plan, but God's plan sometimes is hard. I mean, I, I mean, Mary, what's, what's your plan? Well, we're going we're gonna to get married. We're going to have a baby, and we're going to have a you know, nice white house with a picket fence. And, and God said, no, 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 no. You're going to get pregnant, all right. You're going to have a baby, all right. But the baby's going to be God. Huh? Baby's going to be God. You're going you're to give birth to the Messiah. So your plan is, 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 is this. My plan, my plan is the world. That's my plan. My plan is bigger than your plan. My plan is better than your plan. But, but Mary, my plan is also harder than your plan. Because, because there are prophecies that have been given. And you're living in Nazareth. And he has to be born in Bethlehem. And so Caesar's going to issue a decree that all the world should be taxed. And you're going to have to go because Joseph's of the house and lineage of David. And you're of the house and lineage of David. And uh, although Joseph isn't the, the, the physical father, uh, he's still going to be called the son of David because he was born through you. And you are a child of David as much as, as Joseph is a child of David. So he will be a child of David. But he will be born in Bethlehem because that's where David came from. And so the Bible says, well, she was great with child. Somebody say great with child. Great with child. What does that mean? She was ready. I mean, the, the word great, it has the same idea. And in fact, you look it up in the Greek, it talks about, it talks about the, 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 the disciples on the water and the swells. And so it was the swell that came crashing to the shore. If you've ever been out on the ocean, you know what I'm talking about. And so, and so he uses that word. He says, she was great, swollen, swelled. She was swell. She was swelled. And the Bible says, when the time came for her to deliver, understand, they got there, there was no room, she had the baby in a stable, in a barn, and she, because, because on the way, she was great with child, and she was not four months, she didn't just start showing, they didn't take a look at that baby bump and go, oh, nice, no, no, no. She was swole. And she got there. And any of you, any of you ever been in a birth, birthing room? Is that how you say it? Any of you ever been present at a birth? Let me see. John? John? Yeah, present at a birth. I'm not saying I gave birth, but I was present at a birth. I was present at three of them. Pastor John took 12 hours. It was not pretty. 
I mean, in a birth situation, there is sweat. There is screaming. There, is, there are words that are said like, you did this to me kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, 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 and see, there are things that I would not do that plan. God, that's not a good plan. Because there's no, there's no, there, there, there's no ladies. And we understand that Joseph, he didn't say anything. Joseph, help. And he's just standing there. He's not, he not saying anything. And, and there's, you know, there's no midwife. There's, I, I, I'm sure he didn't even know what, and, 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 and here, sometimes I take a look at God and God, God, geez, this isn't a very good plan. Have you ever questioned God's plan? Because it is hard. Hello, I, mean, I question God. I question God's plan all the time. I, I take a look at creation. I question God's plan. I look at the platypus, and I question God. God, why did you make that? Right? I question God. I, I question God. I, I, I look at the ant eater. The ant eater. You know, I, 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 the, the sloth. God, why did you make a sloth? Forget about the sloth. What about the mosquito? Hello. I mean, God, 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 why? God, why would you do this? And so, and so here Mary was, and it was God, why? God, why? And God comes, and, and he says to us today, why? Well, yeah, you're going to question because sometimes it's hard. But you need to understand that I've got a plan. My plan might be harder than your plan, but my plan is bigger than your plan, and my plan is better than your plan. And if you just give over your plan for my plan, my plan is, is for the world, and I'll use you in a powerful way, and people will remember your name, and people will be blessed through you for generations and generations to come. You can have your plan, and you'll wind up some little something over here, and you'll never amount to anything. But if you will, if you will turn your plan over to my my plan, my plan will bless you and not only bless you, my plan will bless the world and many generations will be blessed through you. So understand in the midst of the turbulence and all the stuff you're going through, I've got a plan. Submit yourself to my plan and throw your plans out the window. So number one, God's got a plan. Mary, thank you for your testimony. God's got a plan. How about you, Zechariah? Uh, what would you say? Zechariah would say, God not only has a plan, God's got a promise. Because I'm a, I'm a priest. And I know the prophecies. I know the promises of God. And it wasn't but a few months ago I was in the holy place and I was offering incense upon the altar when suddenly I saw an angel out of the corner of my eye. And I looked at the angel and the angel began to speak to me. And I... I, I didn't know what to say. This is my testimony. I didn't know what to say. There was smoke filling the holy place. The angel of the Lord was standing there, and I couldn't even look at him. And the angel begins to talk to me about, about, about how my wife is going to get pregnant. And I'm thinking to myself, my wife is past the bearing years. And I don't know how in the world that's going to happen. So when the angel was done, I said, how is this going to be? My wife has passed the flowering of her age, and, and, and there's, 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 there's just, I mean, I don't understand that. How is this going to be? And the angel said, because you don't believe me, your mouth is going to be shut until the time it happens. He said, and I couldn't talk. 
He said, I tried. I came out of the, the holy place and the people were looking at me and expecting me to say something because I had been in there for so long and they knew something had happened. But I went out and as I went out, they were looking at me and they were asking me questions and I couldn't say anything. And they knew that something happened there. And I went home and I wrote to, to Elizabeth and I said, you're going to be pregnant. And she looked at me like I was from Mars. I said, here's what the angel said. You're going to be, and, and so we hid ourselves. We hid ourselves for five months. We were in the sixth month when suddenly, suddenly a knock came on the door. We answered the door and it was Mary. As Mary came in, suddenly Elizabeth was filled with the spirit. She began to, she, she began to uh, prophesy and she began to worship God. And, and John, our baby, leaped on the inside and something happened. And, 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 and she was praising God. Then, 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 then Mary began to praise God. And as Mary praised God and she praised God, all of a sudden the spirit of prophecy Prophecy came upon me, and I, 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 I spoke how that God has fulfilled his promise. See, God has a promise. Zacharias would say, God has a promise, and God will fulfill his promise, and it may take 400 years to do it, but God hasn't forgotten his promise. Sometimes it takes a long time, but God will be faithful to his word. He has a plan. He has a promise. And today, God wants to remind you that in the midst of your turbulence, there is a truth. In the midst of your setback, there is a solution. In the midst of your crisis, there is a key. And in the midst of your problem, there is a promise. Somebody said there are 8,800 promises in the Bible. 8,800 promises. That's 133 per book, and that's 66 books. There are 8,800 promises in the Bible. Surely there's got to be one in there for you. Hello? Oh, but God, you don't know my situation. I'm sick, yeah? God says to you, I'm the God that healeth thee. But God, I'm lonely. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But God, I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. He says, I'm the Prince of Peace. God, I have a financial need, and I don't know what I'm going to do. God says, I'm Jehovah Jireh. I am your provider. Are you in the dark? God says, I'm the light of the world. Are you hungry? He says, I'm the bread of life. Are you bound? He's the chain breaker. Are you lost? He's the way maker. Are you tired? He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But God, I can't figure it out. Well, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. But God, I feel like it's impossible. Yes, with men it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. God, I can't forgive myself. I just can't forgive myself. Oh, they might have forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. What does God say? He says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us, not from some, but from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. God can forgive. God can lead you. God can strengthen you. God can make a way where there is no, but I just can't do it, God. God says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Hallelujah. Oh, for every problem, there's a promise. I was telling the folks earlier that there was a time in my life when I found myself in a fetal position on the floor, and I said, God, if you'll allow me, I'll never preach the gospel again. If you'll allow me. I get out of ministry. I quit this because, God, I didn't sign up for this. You ever been there? You ever been in a place where you just felt sorry for yourself? Huh? God, I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to do this anymore. 
let me do something else. I went into a bit of a funk, and I was a little depressed, and I was feeling sorry for myself. Where do Indians go when they feel sorry for themselves? Where do they go when they need someone to lift them up? Where do they go when they need encouragement? I went to Sam's Club. (laughs) Come on. It was Walmart or Sam's Club. Sam's Club is Walmart on steroids, so I thought, let's go to Sam's Club. No, we were just, (laughs) we went to Sam's Club because we had to go to Sam's Club. And so, you know, Sam's Club, you know, Sam Walton was a Christian. And so he, there's all these Christian books. And back then, back then there were two Christian bestsellers and they were both on the table. One was a guy named Joel Osteen. Anybody ever heard of Joel Osteen? I can't handle Joel Osteen. I have to be honest, he's too sweet for me. I, I, I listen to Joel and I get a sweet attack. I, I, I don't know what it is. And, and because I'm a Pentecostal preacher, I just want him to get mad at somebody. <laughs> get mad at somebody, Joel. Just pop a vein, man. You know, get excited. Spit at somebody on the third row or, you know, I mean, not, not at it, but, you know. And so I, I, I looked at this book, and it had his, 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 his big old cheesy grin, and it had his wavy hair, black wavy hair, and he was staring at me. This is my Bible. It is who I says I, I, I am who it says I am, and I can do what it says I can do. I have what it says I have. Today I will be taught the word. No, 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 that's not what he, but, but anyway, I'm looking at his, and, and, and on the front of this book it says, your best life now. And I remember picking it up, your best life now, looking at his cheesy grin with an attitude. I remember throwing that book down and going, yeah, right, your best life now. I looked right next to it, and there was Joyce Meyer. Joyce Meyer, her face. I just looked at her face, and it said, I dare you. I looked at it with dare you. I was walking away. My wife had already left me. She was walking down the road. So I'm walking, trying to catch up to Jamie. And the Spirit of God comes, taps me on the shoulder and says, buy the books. I said, devil, get behind me. <laughs> he, said, he said, buy the books. I knew it was the Spirit of God, so I bought the books. Remember that? I bought the books and, uh, and, and, and went home. And, uh, and, and I, I decided, you know, I, I'm going I'm to rejoice this book first. And like I said, I mean, I was feeling sorry for I started reading my. And here's the thing about Joyce. Man, she can slap you up one side, slap you up the other, and, and just make you feel all good about it. Because it's Bible, right? And so, and so I'm reading the book, and, and, and I'm, I come to one part, and it says, it, she says, oh, Jesus loved parties. And it was like, yeah. Jesus loved parties. He, he, he went to the wedding at Cana, and he, he, he turned water into wine. Jesus, Jesus loved parties. He was always going to parties. He went to a, a, a party at Zacchaeus' house. He went to a party at Matthew's house after Matthew came to faith. And he was always at parties. And he was at parties so much that they talked to him about being a, a drunkard and a glutton. He was partying so much. She said, but one party Jesus never went to was a pity party. And up until that point, I was with her. Uh, Jesus never went to a pity party. He, she said, get up, you, you, you little hot house plant, and quit feeling sorry for yourself. Repent and follow God. And it's like, oh, Jesus, boom, 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 ah, ah, ah. And after reading her book, I said, Jesus, I need Joel. I need Joel. 
I need you to pour in some oil and wine here, man. And Joel tells a story. He says, I was about 17, 18 years old, came home from, came home from school one day. My, 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 my brother and sister were with me. He said, we walked in. And he said, I walked in the house, and Daddy was in the living room, and there was a doctor in the living room, and doctors never came to our house. He said, so I knew it was pretty serious. He said, he walked in, and Daddy had him sit down, and John, John had him sit down. And he said, uh, doctor has something to share with you about your mama. Well, she had contracted cancer, Dodie Osteen. She's about, I want to say, in her early 60s at that point. She's 88 today. She was in her early 60s. It's been, it's been several years. She said, Mama has cancer, and she doesn't have too long to live. Said he went upstairs afterwards, and he went to her bed, and she was laying in bed, and he grabbed her hand. He said, Mama. She looked up, and she said, Son, he said, Mama, the doctor says you don't have too much long to live. And she looked up and she said, well, that's what they have to say. But they don't have the last say. So she said, go get my Bible. She went and, he went and got her Bible. Long story short, he got her Bible, brought it to her. She took a marker and she began that day in the book of Genesis. And she began to read as far as she could go and, and highlight every place that talked about the healing power of God. She got done that day, she got up the next day, and as she, as she woke up, she began to read all the places where she had highlighted, and she, and, and she began at the place she left off, and she began to highlight all the other places. She got through Genesis, she went to Exodus, she did the same thing. The next day, she got up, read all the places that were highlighted, started where she left off, highlighted all the places where it talked about the healing power of God. She did that day after day, week after week, until she finally got through the entire Bible, and then she would only read the places that she had highlighted again and again and again. He said about a month or two later, he came home from school, and she was in the living room. She was walking around, and, and he said, Mama, what are you doing? She said, I'm hungry. He said, well, Mama, you got to get up, go to bed. I, I, I'll bring you something. She said, no, no, I, I want to go in the kitchen. I want to get something to eat. And so he said, Mama, you got to go back. She said, son, you need to give me something to eat. And he said, if you know my mama, I got her something to eat. And he said, he said, that happened that day. It happened the day after that. It happened the week after that. And that's been, like, that's been like 35, 40 years ago. And you can tune into her program today, and you can see, you can turn into that program, you can see her sitting right over on the right, right about where Curtis is sitting. She's there every Sunday. She's, she's cheering her son on. Why? Because there was a woman who knew the promise of God. And she said, God, the, the, the doctors may say this, the preachers may say this, these people may say this, but you say this, hallelujah. And God, what you're wearing, word says, what your promise says, your promise stands, and I will hold on to your promise. Mary would say, God has a plan. Zacharias would say, God has a promise. The, 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 the shepherds would say, God has a peace. But the Bible says that the angels came and the angels said to the shepherds, peace on earth, goodwill to, to men. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. You shall find the babe in a manger covered with strips of cloth. And they ran and they found the babe and they realized it was peace on earth, goodwill to men. For the last 400 years, it hadn't been goodwill to men. The last 400 years, it had been the occupation of men. It had been the under the thumb of men. It had been at war with men. And, and now after 400 years, it was God, send 
the God of war. Send the Messiah. He's going to be the God of war. He's going to throw off the Roman occupation. He's going to come and he's going to give Rome what Rome deserves. Send the Messiah. The Messiah is the God of war. But they didn't realize he wasn't coming as the God of war. He was coming as the Prince of Peace. Pastor John said when he rode into Jerusalem on that donkey, he rode in Jerusalem because kings who were conquerors rode in on a stallion. But he didn't ride in on a stallion. He rode in on a donkey. Because if you were at war, you rode in on a horse. But if you were at peace, you rode in on a donkey. And so when he came in on a donkey, he was saying, I'm the Prince of Peace. But listen, it wasn't the first time he came in on a donkey. First time he came in on a donkey, he was still inside his mama's womb. Prince of Peace. To double stamp it. I'm the Prince of Peace. I'm not the God at war. You may be at war with me, God says. Because the Bible says we're at enmity with God. We're at war. You may not understand that in your sin, you're at war with God. But God's not at war with you. God wants peace. That's why he came as the Prince of Peace. You see, God is the God of peace. Let me prove it to you. The Bible says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. He's going to be the mighty God, the counselor, the wonderful God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of what? Peace. Romans 5 says, now may the God of peace be with you all. Philippians 4, may the God of peace be with you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, and the very God of peace shall sanctify you. He's the God of peace. But the problem is, although he's the God of peace, some of us don't have the peace of God. See, we need the peace of God that passes all understanding. We need the peace of God to rule in our hearts. He's the God of peace who wants to give you the peace of God, but you can't have the peace of God until you know the God of peace. And then when you know the God of peace and have peace with God, then you can have the peace of God. See, some of you don't have the peace of God because you don't have peace with God because you don't know that he's the God of peace. But the God of peace comes to you today and says, I want peace in your life, but you'll never have peace. Unless you have me. But when you have me, then you'll have the peace of God that passes all understanding. And you won't even understand your peace. There are two turbulent times in my life, and I close with this. There were two of the most turbulent times in my entire life. One came in 1972. When at 11 years old, my 10-year-old, my, my, my brother who was 21 years old, 10 years older than I was, got in a car wreck alcohol was involved. He was thrown from the car. The car rolled. He was thrown. He was killed. And it sent our family into a deep depression. 
And I remember laying on my bed as an 11-year-old, looking up at the ceiling and saying, God, why not me? Why didn't you take me? And my mom didn't know how to handle it. And so she dove into alcohol like she had never, never dived into alcohol. And there, were, there was a one long party for about six months at the house. And I remember looking at her, sitting in front of that little record player, playing Don Williams' pain songs. And she was playing the song, My God is Real, because I can feel tears just streaming down, drunk, crying, didn't know how to handle the turbulence. There was N-O peace because there was N-O God. No peace because there was no God. If there's no God, there's going to be no peace. And the other time, when my mother-in-law, when the most godly woman I've ever known, went to the doctor, and they said, ah, you chewed some food and it went down into your lung. You just, what do they say, asphyxiated some, or whatever it is, some food. It'll, it'll, it'll pass. Didn't pass. A few months later, went back to the doctor. Oh, oh you, you must have tuberculosis. A few months later, they said, you have lung cancer. Got to the point where She was hospitalized. We went in and we sang. And we worshiped. The peace of God was in that room. And you didn't come in there to encourage. You came in there and you left encouraged. And when she'd wake up, she'd look around. I mean, she all said her piece to us. She'd all told us what she wanted to tell us. But there'd be times she woke up, she'd look around, and she'd sigh. She'd say, I'm still here. Because she wanted to be in heaven with Jesus. K-N-O-W God. K-N-O-W peace. We knew God. And we knew peace. She knew God. And she knew peace. Because peace isn't a feeling. Peace is a person. Peace is Jesus. 
And on one hand, we didn't know God and we didn't have peace. On the other hand, she knew God and we all had peace. The fact of the matter is, one day we're all going to be there, man. Sir, one day you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. We're all going to be there. And when we're there, God wants you to know peace. Because you know the Prince of Peace. And you've been reconciled. And you have the peace of God because you've made peace with God. If you haven't made peace with God today, you need to make peace with God. If you do nothing else in this Christmas season, make peace with God. Because that's what that baby came to do. That baby didn't wait until he became a man to ride a donkey. He rode a donkey first. And he rode a donkey last. So that he would cause you to understand the Prince of Peace. And you're at war with God. And if you're at war with God today, look at me. You're going to lose. I'm just telling you. If you're living in your sin and you're doing your thing and you're saying, God, I don't need to listen to you. Well, that's what Israel said. For 400 years, they went into a silent period that they would look at you and say, hey, don't ever tell God you don't want to hear what he has to say. They were at war with God. Some of you are at war with God today. You need to make your peace with God. Because one day, you'll need the peace of God. And you won't have that unless you have peace with God. Amen? Bow your heads, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this holiday season. Lord, what a privilege to retell the story. There's so much, so much in the simple story, the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so God, today I pray for my friends. I pray for my church. I pray for those that are, those that are watching online. I pray, Father God, for those that don't know peace, that they would come to know peace. They would come to know peace not as something, but they would come to know peace as someone. And they would come to know the Prince of Peace. So as their heads are bowed and their eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. How many would say, Pastor, I need the peace of God in my life? I need to make peace with God this morning. Just lift up your hand. Lift it up high. You can put it back down. God bless you. God bless you. All over this place. Maybe you're watching online. You need peace with God. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Those of you that raised your hands, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, church, help us out. Jesus, we need your peace. We need you to forgive us. Wash me. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Come into my life and change me. I repent of my sin, and I give you my life from this day forward. I want to be born again by the power of God. You said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. God, make me a new creature. Give me a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit, a new direction. God, I want to serve you with all my heart. I give my life to you. All of my sin, I give it to you. Wash it. Cleanse it by the blood of Jesus and come into my life by the power of the Holy Ghost and help me to be obedient to your spirit from here on out. Thank you that you've got a plan. Thank you for your promise. And thank you for your peace. 
in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for each one that prayed that prayer and for those that maybe not prayed that prayer but they still need peace. God, I pray, pour out your spirit upon them. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Stand with me, everybody. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. May the peace of God rest upon you this holiday season. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Be dismissed. If you need prayer, our prayer warriors, our prayer, prayer partners are going to be up here. We're going to open up our altars. If you need prayer, please come and we'll pray for you. Uh, please don't forget to bless your pastors. Get online. Give something in the box. Give them a check. If you want to share your hunting land with Pastor John, you can do that. God bless you. Be dismissed in Jesus' name. Here at Dream City Omaha, we're all about three things. Helping people discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. If you enjoyed today's service, we encourage you to check out our past sermon series as well as our discipleship classes. Give us a subscribe, and we hope that we can help you grow no matter where you are.